Money. It affects our everyday life. But how do we make more of it? Manage it. And make sure we make the most of our money. Welcome to Money Mindful, a podcast to teach and support you as you learn to manage your money. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to episode seven of the Money Mindful podcast. Oh, episode seven. Wow. Uh, thank you for being with me um, from the beginning to those of you who have listened to every episode. I know it might just seem like only episode seven to you, but for me, it feels like a big deal to have even gotten this far and I'm really appreciative to all the support that I have from you and all the really great positive comments and feedback. Um, so thank you for that. All right, enough of that. Let's get started. As promised in the last episode about savings, this week and next, I'll cover two different ways you can invest your money to make it work for you. There are many ways you can invest your money, obviously, and in future episodes, I'd like to explore them all with you. Well, all that I know of, I'm still learning all the time, but for now, I'll focus on the most well-known and what I've personally done myself, which is investing in property and investing in shares. Uh, Essentially, property investing is, um, so it's an asset that you can buy and then rent out to produce a rental income. There are so many ways you can make money in property and the scope is too big uh, for me to cover in this one little podcast, but I'll, I'll do my best. As I said in the first episode, um, I want this to be a platform where you can hear information about what real people are doing in, um, with their money and how they're doing it. So I thought it would be appropriate to share my story with you in regards to investing in property. Ah. Oh, yeah, there's so much I want to tell you. I'm, I'm going to have to, I think, constrain and just kind of give you the overview today. And yeah, I mean, look, we've got lots, we've got the whole future of, of this podcast to dive into all the little details of investing in property. So for most of my adult life, the notion of having my own home was something I dreamed about, but didn't think it was really possible. I worked on and off in the photography industry and a high or regular wage was not something I was accustomed to. So having enough money to buy a house didn't seem like a reality to me. In retrospect, I also think I viewed life as happening to me as opposed to happening for me. I didn't really understand the difference or um, really have the awareness of how to create bigger for myself. So what changed? I guess life experience, age and a career change was the turning point for me. As I said, I was working in photography and assisting other photographers. After a time, I went out on my own, but I... I just wasn't that great at the business side of being in business and I really struggled to keep myself afloat. I distinctly remember one summer I was in Malacuta with my family and I had no new work booked for the for the new year and I really didn't know where my next income was coming from 
And I was literally sick with worry and anxiety about my future and well-being, like how to pay rent and how to have money to eat. I mean, it was tragic, really. I was in this beautiful summer location. I don't know if any of you um, have been to Malacuta, but it's gorgeous on the what on the east coast of Australia. And uh, I was in bed, like sick with this horrible cold and feeling anxious. And I'm sure I just got that um, cold because, you know, I was so run down from, from stress. So you'll be really surprised to hear that it was around that time that I decided that something had to change. I needed to do something different for my financial situation. So to cut a long story short, I actually went back to university to get my teaching qualifications. Fast forward a few years to when I started teaching full time and Oh man, I couldn't believe how lucky I was. I mean, when you are employed with a salary, you actually get paid when you are sick and have a day off. I know there'll be a lot of you just laughing at me right now, like, yeah, of course, that's how it works. But at the time, I had never had a job that wasn't either working for myself or casual employment. So I had never been paid a sick day in my life until I was in my 30s. And since then, I don't think I've taken one day of work for granted as I really do think it's an absolute privilege to have such amazing working um, work conditions, you know, to be so well cared for to get paid when you're sick. I mean, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. So you better believe that once I had a stable income, I saved and saved a lot. I think it was because I knew what it was like to struggle with money. (laughs) I mean, struggle without money and survive on very little that I really respected the money that I did earn when I was um, earning a regular salary. So suddenly saving a deposit for a home seemed like it might be possible. I, I really, really wanted that security and stability that apparently in my mind um, you know, comes with owning a home. Uh, So what was it? By saving about 10% of my income, it took me about three years to save a bit over 20,000. I can't remember. It was 20 something thousand. But even then with prices in Melbourne at the time, I still felt uh, buying a place was still out of my reach. It It turned out, um, fortunately, uh, my partner got work in regional Victoria. So we moved to the country and within a year we'd bought a place. Places in regional Victoria compared to Melbourne are so much more affordable. If you've never looked at property prices in places like, you know, Bendigo, Ballarat, Shepparton, all those kind of places, you like we couldn't believe what you could buy up there for the same price you could get for a one-bedroom dog box in town because that's what I'd been looking at, little one-bedroom Uh, flats in um, the western suburbs of Melbourne which for many of you you would know oh my goodness or it's like can I even live in this but anyway let's not get into that but it was the best decision we could have made financially as that purchase was what got us in the market we were just fortunate that we ended up in the country due to his work circumstances as it didn't really occur to me to buy that far out of Melbourne as I was in the mindset that I had to live in the property, 
right? Um, Because, you know, you buy a home, that's what you do. You you buy somewhere that you're going to live and you live in it. So I was always looking around Melbourne. We didn't know how long we'd be uh, living in um, up in the country. So Fortunately, we did have some forethought to buy near the hospital and walking distance to town, thinking that we would rent it out if we ever had to return to Melbourne. Because we we had that in the back of our minds that we would probably have to um, return to Melbourne for Louis's work. But then we were like, well, who knows? We might still be here in 10 years. Let's buy. So it turned out that we did have to move back to Melbourne and we rented out our house uh, in the country and we found a rental in Melbourne to move into. So during our time in um, in the country, I kept reading and educating myself and that helped a lot with the process of renting out the property. Let me know if you're interested in hearing more about that because um, I perhaps I could do like a whole episode about the process of renting out your property as there's quite a bit to learn with tax requirements when switching your principal place of residence to an investment property. So for reasons I won't get into, um, we ended up living in a bit of a dive when we returned to Melbourne. So we were highly motivated to find our own home. The trouble was we didn't have job stability and we were aware that there was a possibility that we might have to move um, again, like move into state for Louis's work. So despite desperately, oh my gosh, yeah, desperately wanting our own place, we realized that buying a house in Melbourne was probably not the smartest thing to do. And the difference between, I mean, like we didn't know we were going to stay in the country, but house prices up there are a lot cheaper and also because of that the rent covers the mortgage whereas the house prices in Melbourne are so much more expensive and the mortgages are so much bigger that if you did actually have to rent it out the rent rental income would not cover the mortgage so that's um that's why just in case you're wondering the difference there so I kept up educating myself by reading and listening to investment podcasts and I also uh, attended an investment workshop and this was what ultimately convinced me to head down the investment property route. So I had wanted to continue building a property investment portfolio but I'd always assumed that the thing to do was buy your own home first. So It was a pretty drawn out and long decision in the making as I had a lot of emotion tied in with wanting my own home, but slowly, like very slowly, I opened up my mind to the possibility that the Australian dream of home ownership might be possible by following alternative paths. But it took a lot of uh, changing of my mindset to, to get to that point and also like convincing my partner that that might be something that we should do too because, you know, I'm a one-woman show when it comes to all of this stuff. I'm really into it and then, you know, I talk to Louis about it and he'll, he'll be like, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> Just fortunately he trusts me and, and goes along with it, which is um, a beautiful thing. So, I want to explain this to you in a bit more detail so you understand why it might be a good idea to buy an investment property rather than your own home. And don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with buying your own home. It's certainly something we are still working towards and really want. But over time, I've learned that buying your own home first might not be the quickest way to achieving your financial goals. And I'll explain why. So 
In Melbourne right now, house prices are pretty high. I don't know about you, but I don't know many people who can easily afford to take out an $800,000 mortgage for, you know, a crappy rundown house that you still have to renovate. And we found some places around the $600,000 mark a bit further out in the western suburbs, but they either required a lot of work or they were very small. Like for And for a family of four and a dog, a tiny two-bedroom apartment just didn't really meet our requirements. And not to mention, I don't know, Ham, what am I trying to say? I, I don't want to be personally responsible for that much debt that doesn't help generate income or capital growth because, you know, when it's your own home, you just have to pay that debt off. You're not getting any investment income to help help pay down that debt. So after a lot of researching and education, um, we decided getting another investment property was the best option for us at the time. I think at this point, I want to say that this was what was best for us and our personal finance goals and capabilities. And that's the point, right? It's called personal finance because it's personal to you. I guess I don't want you thinking I'm trying to tell you um, to do what we did. I'm just trying to expose you to other options that are available. Because some of you who are listening right now might already, you know, have owned your home for 20 years and might have like a huge amount of equity in it available to access to invest. But let's not get into that now. Um, I just keep thinking of all these other topics all the time that I want to talk to you about on other episodes. So um, yeah, we can talk about that another time. But in terms of the pros and cons of buying a principal place of residence or an investment property, there are many financial benefits you get from an investment property that you don't get from your own home. And the biggest being that you can pay off the debt of an investment property with the rental income. And the interest, among other things, on an investment property is tax deductible. So when you buy your own home, you alone are responsible for paying down the debt and your home doesn't produce an income for you. So just food for thought, you know, options to consider. Hopefully this just gets your brain ticking over with possibilities that are out there. So Through education, I learned how to research locations and I worked out an investment strategy and, um, and yeah, just started to understand the fundamentals for investing in property successfully. So this didn't happen overnight, Um, but truly once you start heading down the education path, you learn so much and it's not as complicated as you might think. My motivation to educate myself was to understand what I needed to do and how to do it. So by doing this, I learned all about who you need to engage as part of your investment team. So people like mortgage brokers, accountants, possibly buyer's agents. We ended up engaging a buyer's agent to purchase our next property. And I'm so glad we did as it helped everything move quickly and smoothly. And we ended up getting a property about 25,000 under market value and the rental yields about 6%. So I, hey, maybe I could have found um, that myself, but honestly, I am not interested in becoming an expert property researcher or sales negotiator. To me, the cost of employing a qualified buyer's agent who does it every day and has access to off-market offers due to their contacts makes total sense to me. 
in the future, I'd love to get a buyer's agent on the show to educate you all about what they do and why it might be useful to engage their services. Um, services. Uh, let me know if you want to. If you want to know about buyers agents, maybe um, put a post on the Money Mindful Facebook page or send me an email. If you're listening to this podcast on the website through the website post um, down the bottom, you can um, write comments. So, so let me know because I'd love to have people on the show that can talk about topics that you're actually interested in, and I think buyers agents are becoming more and more common, but it, I think it is something that is not uh, something that the general public use at this at this time. So um, yeah, tell me if you want to if you want to know more about that. So in order to buy the second property, we refinanced our first property and set it up so that we immediately had access to the equity to use as the deposit and to cover all the acquisition costs. So we we actually set it up so that we had enough to purchase two more properties. So we still have the p- funds to purchase the third investment, but we haven't done that yet. So I think in another episode, I'll take you through that process. We used a mortgage broker and utilized their expertise to access these loans and, and also learn um, about the fact that this was even possible. It's a little bit more involved, but I'd be happy to explain it to you at another time. Um, I don't want this episode to to um, be too long. So um, yeah, we can concentrate on that another time. But so I feel like I'm talking about this all very casually, but it was not a casual experience. I, I knew enough from listening to other investors that growing your personal wealth is totally possible through property investing. But This didn't make any difference when it came to the emotions of doing something you haven't done before, backing yourself and and really cutting out the noise. Um, Everybody thinks they know about property because they live in one, but there's actual skill and knowledge required to invest in property. So uh, to avoid making um, big mistakes that, yeah, cost you a lot of money, you... I think, yeah, knowledge and skill is important. So my biggest challenge was trusting the team I was working with. And what I mean by that is we used a mortgage broker. We got advice from our accountant, who, by the way, is also a property investor. And I think this is really important to acknowledge that you actually need to work with people who have done what you want to do. It's amazing how many people in finance and real estate, like no joke, because I've spoken to a lot of them when we've been working at who we want to work for, that they don't even invest in property themselves and yet are in a position where they might proclaim they know what is best to do. Don't use those people because they don't have the experience. Um, There's so much you learn from doing, right? Like you need to have done it. So I always ask what experience, like any anyone that we're working with, I always ask what experience they have and how many properties they have and what type because, you know, there's like you can invest in residential or commercial or you might be a developer or a flipper. You know, there's, there's so many different ways to invest. So you can't assume people know what you think they should know. So getting back to what I was saying, um, yeah, we used a buyer's agent too and I grilled everyone on my team. And sometimes um, I felt really uncomfortable doing that but I would rather be that annoying lady asking another question 
and know that I was working with the right people than be a people pleaser at my own expense because investing in property is not cheap and you want to know that you are working with the right people who know what they're doing. So um, yeah, that's kind of a one of the awkward things because it can be a bit confronting when you're sort of questioning somebody, you know, about their experience. Um, but I, I really think that's a must do. You've got to do that. So I'm not going to pretend that I didn't have to really stretch out of my comfort zone during the course of the investment process. I had many doubts and I was also afraid um, that I was making the wrong decision. But at certain point, I just had to back myself and believe that I'd educated myself and had taken all the steps I knew how to minimize the risk. I also had to decide at a point that the people I I chose to work um, with me were the right people and I had to step back a little and just let them get on with their job I'd engage them to do. Very scary stuff, people, but it's freaking awesome when it all comes together in the end. It's pretty amazing and uh, I've got to say that I know there's property investors out there that have, you know, 10 plus properties and it's like, wow, that's pretty amazing. But I'm, I'm just really proud we've got two. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it, it feels like a really awesome achievement when you've done it. So where we stand at the moment is we are rent vesters, which means we invest in property, but we still rent ourselves. And the reason we invest in property is that I want to build a passive income from the investments for my retirement. And I believe that from what I've learned is that this is possible through investing in property. I also invest in shares, but I'll, I'll get into that in next week's episode. I hope I've opened you up to learning a bit more about what is possible. There's so much more I want to share with you about the details and actual steps involved in the minutiae of property investing. And let me know, please, what aspects you'd like to learn more about. I'm a details person, so I like to know all the nitty gritty of how to do something. I feel like I only gave you the really broad overview today and I'm certainly happy to give you more information about particular aspects of property investing. Just let me know what you what you want to hear. Get in, get in touch on, on any of the platforms. So I think it would be good for you to learn about the reality of how we can actually afford to do this as there are a few distinct reasons that make this possible. Like I said, we can focus on that in the future, like taking you through how we got the loans and also um, income, you know, that plays a part in it as well, like our actual income we get from work. So to recap, the main takeaways from this episode are that investing and working towards your financial goals does not happen overnight. And I hope you see this from hearing my story, like this has been a massive big journey for me. When we bought the first house, it was years after I had, you know, had the first notion that I would love to have a house. And then, um, what, it was another four years before we bought the second place. So it's not like an overnight get rich strategy or anything. And I'm certainly not talking about that stuff on this podcast because I don't know how you would get rich quick. I'm, I'm, I just kind of feel like that's a myth. This is like setting stuff up for our future. And yeah, getting the two properties we now have, it required a a lot of education and time. 
and um, professional assistance to get the job done. You, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, but you do need to put some effort into researching it and engage professional people as well along the way. And finally, I believe that if you want to create a passive income for yourself and you you need to be willing to look outside the square and be open to doing things a little differently as you can't do the same thing you've always done and expect to get different results and also being open-minded enough to consider an alternative to buying our own home has opened up more possibilities for us. And I'm so glad that we overcame our fears and went for it. I hope hearing my story has triggered some ideas of what is possible for you to try when considering your own um, personal finance. Once again, thank you for joining me. Get in touch and let me know what you want to learn more about. You can join my Facebook page, Money Mindful, or get on my mailing list on the website. If you like what you heard today, please support the show by giving it a five-star review on iTunes. And um, I know it takes a little bit of effort, but if you wrote a review, that would be, oh my gosh, yeah, totally amazing. Um, I would love that. So this helps others like you discover the show. Until next time, have a lovely week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Money Mindful podcast. For more info, visit moneymindful.com.au. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe. And remember, the information in this podcast is of a general nature only and does not take into account your personal circumstances or goals. Please seek professional advice for your own financial needs. Remember to have fun along the way. 